All right, let's gather back together. Gather back together. Some folks are going to Imperial Palace, which is in Roscoe, up north, after worship. So if you want to continue your fellowship, an excellent time to do that. You can always continue your, fellow, continue your fellowship uh, with your brothers and sisters at Sherlin tomorrow at 11. We're going to transition our young people. I think they're all pretty much back there around Miss Whitney. So Miss Whitney will transition them. As we move to our forming time, we will also uh, collect our offering for the evening. Thank you. You guys can go ahead and start uh, collecting the offering. want to remind you, please uh, get involved with the golf outing, uh, whether it's uh, getting some sponsorship. Mostly right now we need golfers. Um, so you know, talk to your family, your friends, um, support a foursome. Uh, even if you don't golf, maybe you have some family members who do, um, just uh, sponsor a foursome and they can come and then maybe they'll bring some um, money and uh, uh, you know, take advantage of some of the other fundraising things we'll be doing during that day. Um, but a lot of different ways to participate on that day um, as well. So uh, for the time being, the most important thing we need by the 5th, September 5th, we need um, a list of the golfers, and if we don't have a good number of golfers, we will not have the event. So uh, we would like to have the event. Uh, Jeff has sign-up sheets um, for you if you would like to sign up. Uh, if not, you can contact me uh, or Jeff this week. Uh, email us or text us uh, and let us know. Don't need the money. We do need the um, number of golfers and who to contact um, about that. So uh, try to get a foursome together, uh, make some calls, uh, here early part of the week uh, when you're on your uh, Labor Day cookout on Monday. Wonderful opportunity to talk to your family and friends about that event. So um, just one way we have to work on um, bridging our uh, deficit for, for this year, uh, which we already have by quite some, some amount, but uh, still need to keep working on that. And then we will move into our family and friends campaign. Um, so get your address books ready um, in October. So those two things are happening. So let's have a word of prayer as we transition now to our forming time. Lord, we thank you for this uh, opportunity to come together and worship you. This opportunity to come together as brothers and sisters. We ask that you make us one, that you truly send your Holy Spirit upon us, that you fill us, allow us to hear and see and understand in ways that perhaps we haven't before allow us to journey with you in ways perhaps we haven't before allow us to be open to your calling in ways allow us to be open to your grace and receiving it in full measure that we may share it with others and they may come to know you we thank you and pray this in your holy name in the name of jesus christ our lord amen well welcome to new life i'm mark myers I want to welcome all those joining us online now uh, and all of those joining us on our podcast. Uh, you can uh, catch up on any series or sermons that you've missed at www.findnewlifeumc.org or on iTunes at New Life UMC. Now, we believe as the body of Christ, the church, us, 
Our mission is very simple. Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ to transform the world. That is our mission. That is the mission of all churches. It comes from Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here at New Life, we have a, a kind of a way that we understand this process of disciple-making, and it is finding, forming, forwarding. We believe we need to find those who are in need of God's love. We need to form them as disciples and ourselves, and we need to forward them and each other out into the world to make a difference. So finding, forming, forwarding. This is our third year of ministry. Our focus was forwarding. Uh, we went through the forwarder's fruits earlier this year. Uh, and, and then during this year, again, we've already reviewed the Finders 5, and now we're going to review the former's footsteps, our way to become better disciples and our way to help others become disciples as well. So today we're going to talk about the former's footsteps uh, briefly, that entire series, just in one little section um, before we transition into our uh, fall series, All In. Now, before we talk about how we form, how we are engaged in this process called discipleship, we have to understand who is doing the work, who is the former, and the answer is God. God is the former. In the beginning, God formed something out of nothing. In the beginning, there was nothing. There was God, but there was void, and God created, formed something out of nothing. God formed fish and mammals and birds. Finally, God formed humanity, male and female, in the image of God. But that was just the beginning. God has been continuing the work of formation every day since. God formed relationships with humans over and over again. Through Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit, God continues to form us. God forms us as new creations, people of new life. Our time on earth is over. God will form us into a resurrected people and the process of forming may continue into eternal life. Now God uses something called grace. That is God's loving action in our life. God uses grace to save us and make us new, to form us as people of new life. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, referred to that process, a process of God saving and forming us, as the way of salvation or the way of grace. And so I want to quickly review the Methodist theology of salvation uh, because we're going to talk about some more contemporary or, or um, kind of radical, um, although it's not particularly contemporary, I guess, uh, some more radical types of uh, formation and um, discipleship in our next series. So uh, this is the um, theology of the Methodist movement uh, and the United Methodist Church, which we are part of. In Titus, the letter to Titus, chapter 2.11, we hear these words, The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. Now we believe through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that broken relationship between God and humanity was restored. It means new life is available to all and every person. Now not all people are disciples, but we believe that God is actively working in everyone's life to bring them back into the community of the triune God. We call that action, God reaching out to all humans, provenient grace. 
Provenient grace is a voice that calls people to do good things. Calls people back into relationship with God. It's the reason bad people can do good things or, or any good things can happen by people who aren't disciples. It's a whisper that calls people into relationship that brings them to church and back to church. Provenient grace is God with you even when you are running away from God. God's grace and love is that powerful that even when we turn our backs, God's prevenient grace is trying to pull us back. Now, prevenient grace can lead to, well, it doesn't have to, can lead to what we call justifying grace. And perhaps this is the hardest to understand and perhaps the most complex of the forms of grace. Justifying grace is grace that changes our hearts. We believe that the grace provenient is calling us back to a relationship, but through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, which is part of us, we are brought to a place in our lives where we are ready to encounter the risen Christ and accept the promises God has in store for us. We call this process a lot of different things. Conversion, new life, being born again, second life. Although we recognize that this is not due to our actions, but it is given to us when we are ready to accept it. Grace is always a gift. We'll talk a little bit more about that. When we talk about conversion, new life, or being born again, we are talking about justifying grace. It's not about any one thing that we do. It's unearned, unmerited, and freely given. All grace is unearned, unmerited, and freely given. We cannot do something to earn God's love. We cannot do something to earn grace. We cannot work to make ourselves people of grace. Some people believe you receive justifying grace when you pray a certain prayer or when you are baptized or after you take a certain class or even if you stand in front of the congregation and make a profession of faith. All of those are good things to do, but they are not a requirement to receive justifying grace. Grace is something given to us by God. We don't deserve it, we don't merit it, but God continues to give it to us when we are ready. That's kind of the funny thing about justifying grace. We can have it at any time. God can give it to us whenever God wants, but only when we are ready do we truly receive it. Only when we are in a place in our lives when we can accept it, maybe not perfectly, but at least initially, at least partially, then we are given a chance of new life. Now that brings us into sanctifying grace. We have some Christian brothers and sisters who believe that at justifying grace, at that moment, your Christian journey is ended. That you've received all of the grace you can receive, and that is the end of the story. And at that point, you might as well just go to heaven. I don't know why you're still stuck on earth at that point. That's not what we believe. We believe justifying grace is a beginning, a beginning of new life on earth. Sanctifying grace is the grace that we continue to receive as we grow and develop as Christians. Everything we do, everything that we are part of, takes a time of learning. We send our children to school merrily and joyfully, right? Yay, it's school season. Okay, some, some people are with me. We send them to school to learn, to be formed. We teach them ourselves to 
educate them, to help them grow. We go to certain types of schools or become apprentices or sit at the feet of our mothers or fathers or masters or those people who are gifted and we learn from them. And we develop and we use what we've learned to continue to grow and to continue to be better. And our faith is no different. Sanctifying grace is the grace that we receive time and time again as we grow closer to God. It's the grace we have access to every day of our lives. It restores us. It renews us when we sin. It allows us to be forgiven. And this grace leads us to a different type of grace, the kind of end game of grace, and that is union with God or perfecting grace. Now God is working to make our love complete to perfect us. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Therefore, just as your heavenly Father is complete in showing love to everyone, just as your heavenly Father is complete in showing love to everyone, the traditional language says, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. The common English Bible gets a little bit more Wesleyan by saying complete and showing love to everyone. So you must be complete. That is perfecting grace. It is the grace of God that calls us to be people of complete love. To love God and neighbor with our complete selves, with our whole persons, as much as we can. Now this was a centerpiece of John Wesley's theology. He called it Christian perfection. And he describes it as this, Christian perfection is the love of God and neighbor which implies deliverance from all sin. It is received merely by faith. It is given instantaneously in one moment and we are to expect it not at death but every moment that now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. John Wesley believed this was not something we are meant to experience at at the moment of death, it is something we are longing for, hoping for, desperate for. Union with God, perfect love of God and neighbor. He described it as this. It is loving God with our whole heart, our whole mind, all our soul, and all our strength. It implies no wrong temper, none contrary to love. It remains in the soul and that all thoughts, words, and actions are governed by pure love. I have not met a lot of people like that. A few, maybe. But that is the goal of the Christian life. That is where we should be going. That everything we do, all of our words, our thoughts, our actions, are governed by love. Love who is God. God who is love. And that grace of God that is flowing through us is flowing out from us in all things that we do. It is freedom from sin. Jesus told people, go and sin no more. He didn't say, go and sin and then come back when you've sinned and I'll forgive you again. He said, go and sin no more. He said, I expect that you can do that because I am walking with you. It's not freedom from temptation. It's not freedom from illness. It's not freedom from mistakes. It is being complete in love. 
being dependent and focused on Christ in all that we do. It's not perfection as the world teaches it, but it is something that God can give us. Something truly wonderful. So this is what God is doing in our lives. God is working in each of our lives. From the time we are in our mother's wombs to the time we are uh, leaving this world, God is working within us grace. God is calling us home. God is raising us up. God is trying to make us complete people. People who are one with God. Now God can call us back into relationship, but we can refuse. We can turn our backs forever. Although we cannot save ourselves and God's grace is freely given, we have to be involved in the process. God can save us, yes, but we must be willing to accept salvation. And it seems that's something that would be uh, wanted by all people. Why wouldn't you want to be saved? Well, salvation means following God and following Jesus Christ and doing as Christ calls and setting Christ before us. And we're going to talk for the next four weeks about why that is so challenging and why, although we think that we uh, have truly accepted Christ, although we, we truly believe that we are saved, yet we do things that are very self-centered. We do things that are very me-centered. And we don't necessarily act like people who are following Jesus Christ. But let's talk about how that looks in the life of our church. And this is the former's footsteps. This is something that we uh, can do, and this is something that we can help others do as we in, are involved in this process of grace and salvation. Now, for me and for many people, the first step of our journey, our first step of our salvation, our first step of growing as a disciple is fellowship. Jesus invited people into a community of faith and formed around him and his teachings, formed around him and his teachings. The early church invited people into that fellowship as well. Fellowship is the first step as formers begin their journey. They have to come to the experience somehow. We've talked about in the past that the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, is not intuitive. You cannot grow up in a cave isolated from the world and come one day waking up, standing up and say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. It's not intuitive unless someone has told you the story. It's not intuitive unless you've been involved in the fellowship, unless you've seen what the community is really like, what someone of new life is really like, what someone of grace is really like, unless you've been taught what the Scripture teaches us, unless you've been told the story of good news, the story of Jesus Christ, you have to come to the fellowship to experience that. That's why we do things like go to baseball games and have golf outings, although sometimes that's fundraisers, but more than that, it's an opportunity to bring people outside of the community, inside the community in a different way that may be apart from coming here on Saturday night. Not everybody will do that. That brings us to faith. So fellowship's kind of our, our first step often. 
The next step is faith. Hebrew 11.1 defines faith as the reality of what we hope for, the proof of what we do not see. It's fancy. Faith is that step, but it itself is a gift. So it's the next step we take, but it's nothing that we can do ourselves. Isn't that kind of fun? But Paul says this in Romans 10, because if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and in your heart have faith that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Trusting with the heart, this is the important part because we forget the first part, trusting with your heart leads to righteousness, confessing with your mouth leads to salvation. So faith comes from listening, but it's listening by means of Christ's message. Now, perhaps this is the most quoted Scripture when it comes to salvation. If you confess with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart, God saved Him from the dead, you will be saved. Unfortunately, we forget that there are other verses, much like John 3.16. John 3.17 is also important. Romans 10.8 and 9, or yeah, 10, are also important. Paul says faith comes from listening and heart faith comes from trusting. So here Paul is giving us a process towards moving from fellowship to faith. First, we must listen. We listen to Scripture. We listen to one another. We listen to the teachers in our lives. We listen to leaders. We listen. Sometimes to just a quiet whisper. And then we trust. Now trust is one of the hardest things that we can do. Trusting in God completely, truly relying on God completely. But that is the process. It's not just merely saying words. It is truly understanding and then truly committing with trust in your heart. Many of us, many Christians throughout the years have just done that first verse and forgotten that there's something else behind it. Now that moves us to following. So we enter the fellowship. We begin to be people of faith. And then we must follow. Jesus said to the first disciples, follow me. They got up and they followed him. They had to literally leave everything behind, leave their old lives behind to follow Jesus. And most of them were executed for their faith. But all of them following took standing up and starting to move. Now the question is, how do we follow Christ? Matthew twenty-two, thirty-four 34-40 is our kind of core Scripture in the former's footsteps. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had left the Sadducees speechless, they met together. One of them, a legal expert, tested Jesus. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with your whole heart, with your whole being, and with your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and prophets depend on these two commandments. Jesus taught us that we must follow the commandments he taught us. And he taught us over and over then that we must love God and love one another. Another. More and more each day until that love is perfect. Until that love is complete. Until that love is the kind of love that God shows us every single day. 
Following Christ means loving God and loving one another. Now that brings us to finally, fellowship, faith, following, I ran out of F words, I guess. There's only so many that you can use in polite society. But I thought it was good at the end of the series last year when we did this. But our final goal, our, our, uh, what, what we're reaching, the end game, is truly becoming one with God. It's not something we can earn. It's not something we can do. But John Wesley believed there were some things that we could engage in that would help us become more and more like God. And he called them the general rules. First, do no harm. Second, do good. Third, attend upon all the ordinances of God or all the things Jesus Christ taught us the means of grace, worship, communion, baptism, Bible study, all of those things, caring for one another, serving the poor, serving prisoners. Those are things that we can do if we wake up and say, I'm going to do good today. I'm going to do one good thing. Or if we're intentional about when we've hurt someone not to do it again, to change ourselves to ask Christ for the power to not hurt our spouse or our friend or our children the same way we've done over and over and over again. Attending upon the ordinances of God, that's really the simple part. That's just kind of doing the things that we do called church. They are important. They grow us. They bring us together. They make us more like God. We have to remember the first two if we just come to church and we do the church type things and we don't go out into our world and do all the good we can and make sure that we're not hurting anyone else, then we've kind of missed the point. Now, I didn't share John Wesley's other rule about earning all you can, saving all you can, and and giving away all you can, but we'll talk about that in the next few weeks with All In. So this is the Methodist theology of salvation and discipleship. This is kind of the base of uh, the theology, a, a, a foundation as we go into um, all in or some kind of different ways to challenge how we actually live this out. God is working in us. And as we look to form ourselves and one another, we need to realize that this process is happening in our lives. That God is using God's grace every single day in every encounter that we have. We also need to real, uh, live into the reality of this, uh, these footsteps, these former's footsteps, the fellowship, bringing people into the fellowship, bringing them to a point where they can truly accept Jesus Christ, to bring them to a point where they can then follow Christ and finally that they can be people of complete love. And that's something we all need help to help each other with. Now, just as we engage in being formed by God, we can also partner with each other to be formed by God as well. The best news of all is God is the former. We do not have to form ourselves. We do not have to make ourselves better. The world is always trying to sell ways to make ourselves better, but we believe in a God who is making us new, who is making us complete, who is making us one so that we can truly be better. But to let God do that work, we have to do something else. We have to surrender, trust, and as we're going to talk about for the next four weeks, we have to go all in. Amen.
transition now to our forwarding time. Quick and dirty review of former's footsteps. I know that's, that's a lot of stuff in one teaching time. Uh, if you want a more broken out versions of that, you can look on the uh, website or on the uh, podcast to get the uh, full series of that. But we will be talking about um, being, being radically committed to Christ, being fully invested in our relationship with Christ uh, over the next four weeks. So I encourage you to uh, come to uh, be challenged, to challenge others, to see what that really looks like. Uh, the book uh, is by Mark Batterson, so if you want to follow along, we're not going to be uh, going over everything in the book, just kind of using that as a guide uh, with some ideas. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of stuff in that book that we won't cover. So if you want to be engaged in that, you can go on Amazon or uh, Barnes & Noble, or I think Family Christian has, has this one as well. Uh, it's called All In by Mark Batterson. It is a blue and white book. Uh, if you want to know what it looks like, you can come. I think there's a screenshot there at the end of worship, but... Um, you can uh, uh, see what that looks like as well. I have copies of it in my office. So let's uh, enter a time of prayer as we transition now to our forwarding time. Remembering those who uh, cannot be with us in our community, those who are uh, still healing or away, those who are not yet here, but will one day be instrumental in the work that we do. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you call to us. That from the time of our birth, you desire to be in relationship with us. That regardless of what we do, regardless of who we are, regardless of the mistakes we have made, you continue to desire a relationship. That you continue with your relentless grace. We thank you for the ability that you've given us to believe, to trust, to be people of faith in new life. We ask that you help us continue to be formed by your grace, but continue to offer others your grace so that they too may come to know you through the things that we do, through our words and actions, through our love. Make us truly complete, not in the moment of our death, not in a moment far off, but now we pray desperately that you would make us truly complete in this moment, in this space. That even if it's for a minute, that you would allow us to fully experience your grace and love in its full degree. That we would then chase after it the rest of our lives. That everything we do was something to grow closer to you and closer to one another. We pray this in your holy name. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.